As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sign up Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the Honey, don't fight the future. The future is Luca. The timing sucks because the Mavs are ass. But did you see his no look pass? Whoa! Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato, and I've got Dave Dufour with me, a throwback episode to the former but always co-host that uh, that, that Dave is, you know, just this, he's this sitting in the sky, this this co-host looking down on us always. But sometimes he's I'm here. I'm still a part of the show. Okay. You just haven't just been busy. on in a few weeks. That's I'm just busy. I got a lot going okay, on, man. I had to go to Florida what? for the beach. There is nothing going on. Yeah. There's been a game in two days and it feels it feels like the season just like actually like something feels off. There hasn't been a game in two days. Um it's been so so crammed this year. They play tonight? But nah, they play Wednesday. Wow. They're recording Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, they have two consecutive days off. Crazy. Uh, they did practice today, but they had Monday as a complete off day. Which you know probably well they could use the practice get, yeah <laughs> yeah they could use the practice they could use the uh, the mental space to recharge Sunday was not a good game Sunday uh, in fact Sunday was actively bad I'd call it a bad game and that's uh that's not ideal for a team that easily in a different situation where they're actually winning and playing well uh, could have passed Portland for the succeed and been out of the playing tournament but that has not happened and so. Do you want to start just talking about the roster or do you have specific thoughts to any of the any of these losses? I mean, they're just not very good, right? And, and but they're not quite bad. And yeah. it's tricky to it's tricky to even talk about a team that's in that position. And and as we've kind of talked about quite a bit, you can point at a few different things that have caused this this issue, but I I think that you wrote it pretty succinctly. Like the roster just is what it is. It hasn't improved. Like, how much has the roster really changed in the last season, season and a half? There have been moves. 
Yeah, yeah. 16 of the 30 teams in this league go to the playoffs. If you are a 7th or 8th seed, you are decidedly average. You are bang average. You are a mediocre basketball team by all definitions of that word. And here they are with mostly the same roster that they had last season. That's That team last season was a 7th seed. They're seventh, right? Not eighth. They were seventh. Yeah, they were seven. They were seven. Yeah, okay. But okay. but this is the it's fool's gold, myself. right? Yeah. It's fool's gold because you have But yeah, Luka if Doncic. you bring the same team back, you bring the same team back and you're in the same place that you were last season, you know. And we'll talk about Josh Richardson in a such in a second. That is that is the one major move they did. But yeah, if you mm-hmm. have the same team, the same role players, the same roles, the same expectations, some small improvements from younger players, but the idea that Luka Doncic was going to drastically improve on what he did last season obviously is not realistic and hasn't been the case. I, I don't know. Maybe it is realistic. It's Luka. But, you know, he's been about the same player. Chris Epps has been almost exactly the same player. Uh, much better at the rim, actually. Uh, which is But worse defensively, I think. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely worse defensively. And even though in moments he's got back there, you know, on, on the whole, definitely a worse defensive player. Even though this is the best he's ever played at the rim on offense. In terms of both getting there, the number of shots he's taking there, the percentage he's hitting there, uh, how much he's dunking, but his jump shots the exact same. He's not hitting more threes. And then you know, like who else on the roster? Jalen Brunson is the one guy who has marked improvement, and yeah. he's been huge. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic. And Maxi is hitting uh, more threes, but even less twos. I think Tim, Tim Hardaway has been a good story this year. As, uh, no, maybe even player. a little bit better though, because I, I would say I that some so, of the no. stuff he's doing off the dribble, uh, where he's kind of running those second units with Jalen Brunson, that was stuff he wasn't doing last year. Now it's not it's not a huge shooting pro- a little bit production. Worse, Okay, but it's not a huge jump in production. But he's doing different right. stuff, and and I think providing a little bit more value. That that, that might be fair, but we're, the, the the point being, it's it's marginal at best, and right. It feels eerily like the team is just stuck in mud, treading water. It, it feels like nothing has changed. And, and I don't know why it took so long for me to feel that. I guess because the season was so fragmented that first it was, okay, let's wait and see what's going to happen when they're finally healthy and together. And then it was the stars being injured. Then it was COVID. Then it was the ice storm. And then they were winning. And when they were winning, things obviously feel a little bit different now that they're losing again it just feels like the is that it feels like they've made no progress for the course of a year and if you go back two years you know they've really made no team building progress and you know there's a, there's a few new faces around the edges and that's it and and for a team that has Luka Doncic on it to not really improve in two consecutive off seasons and and you know really four consecutive team building uh windows if you kind of view the trade deadline as as a as another team building window, you can even loop the draft into there. They had, you know, three draft picks and they have Got played a collective, yeah, a combined like three hundred minutes. And two hundred and fifty of those are are Josh Green minutes. And so yeah, you combine all that together and it just feels eerily like this team is the same team that it was last season. And it does, and I don't really want to talk about the offseason. We've done that so much, you know, the one to come. We've done that a lot, and it remains the most important window and the most important factor into what the future of this team is going to be just because they have to change something they have to do it and i think they will what they choose to change and how they change to do it and the success therein of those of those changes depending on how radical they are or how much they actually bring this team together in a a more meaningful way than they are right now uh is really just going to determine the future of of this team very likely the future of how long luka Doncic is in dallas which 
I still think it's going to be, you know, four more years, but, but yeah, that's the importance here. And, and so it is, it is kind of a bummer to, to look around and just be like, they, they haven't done anything, you know, should they, we talk they, about they Rick Carlisle? Well, we can, what do you, what specifically do you want to talk about? I mean, is there a point where maybe you need him to be a little bit more aggressive, you know, lineup changes? I mean, should Tim Hardaway he Jr. be starting? That, he hinted at lineup changes, um, after Tuesday's practice when he talked to the media. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if it happened. The thing is, their starting lineup plays well. Their stats are good. You know, it, even even looking at the, you know, a 15-game sample size. Now, in the past few games, yes, they have had early leads um, or, or given up early leads, I should say, or, or went into quick holes. But generally well, it's been on an the issue season, all year, though. To, they're to not a degree, doing it I think every been, game. But when, when they get when they off have their main five starts, they don't yeah. fight back. When they have their main five, they're they're plus twelve over a hundred over a hundred possessions. And when you put Hardaway and Brunson in for Maxi and Luca, that's his most common first substitution change. That lineup is plus twenty over a hundred possessions. Those are great stats. Those are exactly where you want your starting lineups to be. So I I don't know. Like just because it's a recent issue doesn't mean it's an issue. But at the same time, this team, you know, you got to change something. So yeah, if you, I, I'm I'm open to Carlisle doing something like that. I'm very open to that. I just it's not what I immediately gravitate towards. Well, what do you do with Josh Richardson? I mean, it, you know, you hope he walks, or you hope you can move him in a sign and trade. Obviously, this trade, you know, and it's it's one season, but pretty clear to me that. It isn't working out. And I think that the big takeaway I've got from watching him in Dallas is that he's not Drew Holiday, which is how he gets pitched so often. And it's very clear to me that if they could have had Drew Holiday, this is a way better team and a way better fit. That's the crux of this, obviously, is that they did make one major team building move. It was the it was the Curry for Richardson swap. That is the one player who has played a significant number of minutes that's different than last season and he's yeah he's been bad it's 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 definitely the, the trade has not worked out it, it has been a failure and it hasn't been a failure even because seth curry has been so good or that seth curry would fix all the issues on this team they did need more perimeter defense i mean i think this would be a slightly better team with curry at this point just because richardson has been so inconsistent and often looks like he's you know just not even on the same uh you know it looks like he's in like he looks like he's in the um the the bookshelf in Interstellar where he's in just a slightly different plane <laughs> of existence like kind of kind of stuck between the two. I'm stealing from a uh, from an article on publishing Wednesday morning where I make that <laughs> same analogy, but I think I think it works. Where it's just he's moving at a slightly different speed than all his teammates around him. And the starting lineups like I said have still been good, so it, it's not inherently like he's he's holding the back, I don't think, but clearly he's not adding much. You know, even even as 15 point games when the, the shot making does translate and, you know, the, the defense is pretty good, does does just feel like it's not as impactful as it could be. And and if he was a Drew Holiday type player, yes, it would be it would be more impactful. It would be much better for the team. It's 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 the type of player, the type of impact the Mavericks wanted. And and it just hasn't worked. Um, and to bring it back to Seth Curry, uh, you know, I, I don't think he dramatically makes this team better. I do think that he is was the most tradable of the role players and you know, you used him as a as a trade asset for Richardson, whereas maybe there would have been another trade you could have tried to make. And 
And it's weird because I also like the trade. That, that's the that's the weirdest right. thing about this. It's not weird. You know, it, it's very much a process and results. We we both liked it, right? Yeah. Yeah, because theoretically, that is the guy that they needed, right? right? The Drew Holiday type would have been perfect, right? But Josh Richardson is like, you know, 60% on both sides of the ball of Drew Holiday. <laughs> right. and, and that's right. not enough, right? So when you watch Seth Curry, and that's the hardest part is that Seth Curry – is having such a crazy season. I don't know that he could have had that crazy season, you know, the way he's shooting in Dallas because he's actually cooled off a little bit recently. But yeah. Yeah, but also Joel Embiid is, is you know, his gravity does a lot of work for for three-point shooters in in Philadelphia and certainly Luka does. does, but it's a different type of gravity, you know. Getting that kick out from inside is a little bit easier uh of of a shot, not to mention how much he's getting in transition with Ben Simmons. But right. with that being said, you also look at at what he did do for this team and you're like, damn, if Josh Richardson could just do that, all of a sudden you feel a, a little bit more comfortable with the move. And, and, you know, it's tough because there are too many people that saw Josh Richardson as the missing piece instead of, hey, this guy, if he comes in and he can be a high level role player for us, then he's a good pickup because he's, he's not making a lot of money. So it's not right. like he's hamstringing you uh, financially, but clearly the the fit just isn't quite there, you know, on either end. I'd say, I, you know, he shows flashes where the defense really is there, and, and we've talked about when he attacks off the dribble and, and how that can can create pressure. But you know, he was never a good shooter, and, and you, I think you just need somebody who can knock down shots a little bit better than him when you're playing with Luca. Can they get Clay Thompson? Yes, I mean, <laughs> I'd love yeah. to play here. Only if Rocco comes too. You think Rocco yeah. would like the? Uh... Uh, you know what, man? As a as a bulldog guy, I'd say I will tell you. Um, as long as it's not humid, bulldogs don't mind the heat. They'll go That's out good. there and they'll they'll sun, and then they they need AC. But you know, they try. We are the not only are the the only Mavericks pod, but I, I believe we are the foremost. Uh, Mavericks podcast focusing on Clay Thompson's pet bulldog. And oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's official. That is, that is a title I'm proud of. Yeah. So Richardson's fit defensively, I, I definitely agree. It's it's continues to be a little weird to me that he just doesn't play. He doesn't guard opposing point guards. I asked Carlisle about it at, at Tuesday's practice, although I asked it kind of in a in a more big picture way, and so I got a response that was just more about the the technicalities and the in the mechanical aspects of how they you know, do cross matches. And if De'Aaron Fox is guarding Dorian Finney-Smith, it's easier for Finney-Smith to guard, you know, De'Aaron Fox back in return and, and stuff like that. I should ask him more directly because it, it is weird that the player who's supposed to be the guard stopper and and the player who they constantly refer to as, you know, one of their two best perimeter defenders, because obviously Richardson and Finney-Smith are those two players, doesn't actually take those matchups. And, and time and time again, they go back to Finney-Smith on, on those star matchups. Well, and and that's a bit, that's another issue is that right. I don't think Dorian Finney-Smith like he's kind of miscast in that role to a certain degree. Like he's a, he's a right. fine defender. He's not a bad defender, but he's not a you know, lockdown point of attack guy and I think that that's another way that Josh Richardson has sort of let them down to a certain degree. And I, you know, again, this is this is more just being miscast Generally, but I, I think that the role that they need him to play just isn't one that he can fill. Yeah, I remember us talking about how we liked that Finney Smith could bump on to the second person and that we liked that his help defense was going to be accentuated by this move. 
um, in a lot of instances. And that just hasn't hasn't happened at all. And and yeah, it, it's two parts. Like I'm I'm sure, you know, I think in general, Richardson has not been quite as good defensively as as hoped for. I'm sure that there's some reason that, you know, I don't think that he's just a lockdown point guard defender who's not being used in that manner by Carlisle. Like, it oh, has yeah, no, no, he just can't do it. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And, and that's what we envisioned him as. And as weird as it is that he doesn't ever guard point guards, because he does seem like he could be able to handle some of those matchups better than Finney Smith. It, it's clear that, you know, the difference between those two and the ability of those two to take on those matchups is, is not that far apart. Carlisle is a smart, pragmatic coach at, to some level. And so, yeah. you know, in, in moments where we do see Richardson trying to guard those type players, I don't think that I'm, you know, just blown away by that and, and think that this is some mismanagement. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The other thing, and, you know, we touched on this, but the, the process and results. When the process makes sense and the results don't materialize in the right way, and I think that was the case with the, with the Curry-Richardson trade, where we both liked it, we thought it made sense, we thought it kind of filled these holes. I'm always willing to give people leave, leeway and front office leeway. It's very hard to team build. You know, I don't want that job. But when eventually you do have to be judged on results and and when the Mavericks make this many moves over the course of two years and I, I can't think of a single one, single one of them that I'm looking at and saying that was a great move. Honestly, I think the best move they've made in the past two years, I'm, I'm probably missing something easy. Um, I don't know if you want to count re-signing players a couple of years ago, obviously re-signing Finney Smith to an extremely team-friendly deal was a fantastic move for them. But, you know, the best move in terms of bringing in outside players is, you know, probably the the Redick Melly trade. And, and that is barely even, you know, barely anything has even happened there. And they barely play. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, Wes Wandu didn't do anything. And the other, you know, th- there's been moments where they have moved off. You know, I thought it was, it was, Wandu isn't the best example. You know, it was, it was easy to move off him. I thought, I thought they did a good job moving off of um, Justin Jackson and DeLon Wright. Yes. You know, those are two. Yes. DeLon Wright was a bad signing but they they got off that money in a pretty clean way you can't hype up or you know really talk about how good those trades were when you're really just rectifying mistakes you had previously made it doesn't matter if you had the slickest piece of team building or or trading to get off a, some salary if 
the salary you're getting off to isn't directly leading to you know a free agent you're signing or or isn't or or is being done to get rid of a of a player that you completely mis misjudged. And I liked I liked Lon too in the moment. I thought they did a really good job trading Harrison Barnes away and and trading the you know all those players. You know a lot of them went in the in the Porzingis thing, but I liked moving on from Barnes, uh, who I don't think would have become the player he is in Sacramento now uh, if he had stayed in Dallas. But I liked it with the with the idea that they were going to go use that money. And then they didn't go use that money. So there's been a lot of individual moves. In fact, I would say most moves individually make superficial sense. I think almost every one of them have made some level of sense. And that's where the the uh you know the process versus results, you have to realize that at some point you have to weight the results higher than the than the process. Like just because it always seems to make initial sense. You know, at some point you have to be like, okay, they haven't actually functionally done anything in two years. All the best moves they made were literally making up for stuff that, you know, holes they dug themselves. And that's the problem. And so that's that's the gist. That's just the gist of what I what I had to say with that. And so I don't have any grand conclusions about, you know, and I, I couldn't tell you, you know, who's, you know, it's it's a complicated front office with, you know, certainly power stretched across uh, several individuals. Um and, you know, I don't know who's behind functionally all of these decisions or, or any of that stuff. The front office as a collective at this point has to look back at the past few years and say this wasn't good enough. And they need to do something different. They need to try a different tact or a different approach. And and they need to figure out this offseason. Like so much does hinge on this, on this offseason. At some point, you have to get the results. Yeah, it is a, like it is good process is important. But it is ultimately a results business. Right. Now, we've talked about this quite a bit. The timeline, it is, it's not today. You don't have to do it today. But I appreciate taking the chance on Josh Richardson because theoretically, I get it. The reputation of the player. And, and I would even say the performance has mostly been okay. Now, you know, he's been disappointing outside of Miami. And you have to you have to now start factoring in. Okay, well, how much of the of this was playing in Miami? We've seen this with other players. They play in Miami. They look great. Seen it in Boston. Guy looks great in that system. Goes elsewhere. Uh, not as effective. Maybe just needs a change of scenery. And I, I think you know with Josh Richardson, that's kind of the process you go through. You say, okay, well, maybe if he's on a team where he gets the ball in his hands a little bit more, maybe we get a little bit more out of him. But it's not working out. And, and that's fine because, you know, you have to take those chances. But at a certain point, you need some of these chances to pay off. This right. summer this summer is super important. You know, I, and I know, like, I don't want to get into the Luca is, you know, the clock is ticking. I don't want to get into that yet. But the truth of the matter is that it is. I mean, when when is his uh, extension deadline? He'll, he'll sign like his extension October? before next season. Yeah. Yeah. And he will sign it. I have 100% confidence of that. Yeah. That starts the clock. You then yes. have five years. Correct. Theoretically. Four, four years because, you know, the, the last year is when, you know, a player that isn't happy and, and isn't satisfied and wants out. You're, you're, you know, you got really three years to put. If you don't have a team when he signs the contract, if you don't have a team really set up around him at that point, you have three years to do it. And you have three years to convince them that, yeah, we, we're, we've put a team around you that can win either now or, or in the very near future. So you, all, you only have like one before the Clippers start sending a scout to every single game. <laughs> you know, I, like this is the thing. You're right? not wrong. This this guy is going to be the biggest free agent ever. 
when he actually hits unrestricted free agency. Just with the the way that the game is moving and the money involved and the star power involved, and you're talking another few years of building the game up globally. I mean, Luca, you know, if he's not the best player in the league by then, I mean, he's going to be in the top five. I mean, he's probably in the top five now. So the clock is ticking to a certain degree. Okay, flipping back to the season, just to close <laughs> this out, I think the Mavericks will probably finish above Portland. I, I think they'll figure it out in the in the. Well, Portland's defense is so awful, right? Like yeah. Portland, a lot of that is fool's gold with them too, right? Like their their point differential just doesn't match their record. They're greatly outperforming uh, what you know what is to be rightfully expected from them, especially in crunch time. They're winning a lot of close games. Yeah, they have like the the historically all time clutch offense right now, and if that falls yeah. even a little bit, and you know they've they've already lost five of seven. You know if if they if they stop losing clutch games or they start losing clutch games, I should say, as well. Like I I just have little faith in them. So I think Dallas does pass them, if only by attrition, because Portland also mm-hmm. has the, I think the fourth toughest schedule remaining, and Dallas has the second easiest. So and Dame and Damian Lillard still doesn't look quite right. So right. this is a, this is a rough time for them. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you there. I think that they can ultimately be that six seed, but they they have to write the ship, man, because. Right. There are too many teams that are still trying to win. And so you're just not getting enough easy nights. And you can't you can't just bank on doing what they did against the Kings. I mean, come on, man, the Kings. And, and you just can't start like that because you're not good enough to flip a switch at the end. They right. tried it. But they're not good enough for that. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think they, they just trade out for enough, LeBron but... and Anthony Davis this summer and get it over with. You know, <laughs> is that is that the way to do it? Honestly, I mean that's it, what I'm told. Just just tell them uh, tell them to stay and tell those two to stay in Dallas when they come visit. Maybe you yeah. can win them over with that Friday off day between Thursday and Saturday's games. Where would you take them in Dallas? Where would you take Anthony Davis and LeBron James to say, just stay, just stay here in Dallas? Oh man, you know I actually. On my on my way to Florida, on my way to Florida, I actually stopped and had dinner in uh, in Elam. Okay, and I can't remember the name of the place I went to. What what place was it? What type? It was like a a nice little cocktail bar. You didn't go to uh, Shoals, did you? Nope, it's Armory. Armory Arm- Armory is also good. Yeah, yeah. Armor yeah. Armory is also a good good spot. That's it. Shoals Shoals is one of my favorites. It's uh actually good. Yeah. it's vegan based menu, but not a but. I mean, I'm not full vegan, but I, I tend to enjoy uh, that food. That's how I cook, and their menu fantastic. Some of the yeah, some of the best well, food in Dallas, straight up. Uh, also as long as we cocktails. get a hot dog after, I, I could be down for that next time I'm in town. <laughs> we, we just you know we'll pop down to Armory. I think they have something like that. So I don't yeah. I don't know if a, uh, a Latin American plant based menu um, inspired by street food down there is what's going to win LeBron James over. But if that's not going to win him over, then honestly, he I don't want him here. So do they do Taco good. Tuesday? That's the important question. If they do they Taco do more, Tuesday, like, empanadas. I think they got empanadas. They got uh, arepas, and you know they got they got all that stuff. Um, but we got tacos. Are Dallas tacos, tacos any good? Are they getting oh, good? Because yeah, I yeah, listen, yeah. man. I lived in Tucson, Arizona, in San Antonio, Texas, before I moved to North Texas. Um, I, those are some tough tacos to beat. So there's two types of tacos. There's authentic tacos and the gentr- gentrified tacos. Both of them can be good. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, you got to know what you're doing. There are some taco places that are, you know, just serving tacos to, you know, 
serving Tex-Mex tacos. And Tex-Mex has its spot. Tex-Mex needs to stay away from from tacos. You know, that's that's uh, that's going too far. Like, leave. that's your best take. Ever. But but those two those two types of tacos, we, we got we got good spots of both. So we got something okay. to kind of well, blend the two. So anyway, hit us up, guys, was, with uh, your favorite taco spots in Dallas because. I'm relatively new. I'm not even in Dallas, but I'm relatively new to North Texas and I like to eat. So uh, tell me your favorite taco spots in Dallas and I'll make Tim take me to all of them. LCI, uh, La Pisano. I'll take you. I'll take you. I'll take you some yeah. places. Don't worry about it. Cool. Yeah, this has been taco taco talk. <laughs> that, that was a that was a slight derail. But uh, but hey, nah. we're, we're going to have a short podcast anyway. Just we're cooking. Us. Yeah, we <laughs> no, we're not cooking. We're going out. We just established this. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for entertaining our uh, our our five minute ramble there at the end. But all this considered, I think the Mavericks are are in a they're they're not in a significantly worse place um, today than they were two weeks ago than they were a year ago. And they are who they are. They are who they are. They've stayed steady, and and I think that's just the story of the team is that. The, the 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 change isn't there but just because they've lost some games recently doesn't mean things have got worse i don't think for the most part um some weird body language aside and so all things considered it just it just goes back to this coming off season and, and that will set the set the course for this franchise and its main star for the coming years and, and it's just everything falls on that and in the meantime they will probably get out of the play-in tournament probably go to the playoffs probably be competitive and lose in the first round and then it's then then it's that time. Then it's that off season, and uh, we'll see what happens then. So, I think that's it for us. But we'll be back next week. I think Mike Pellucci will also be back next week. See you guys then. It's a wrap.